I planned it that way so I could take a breath. (sighs) Scripture today is Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Amen. God bless his word this morning. Uh, For me, there was nothing like growing up in grade school in Gratis, Ohio. Best time of my life, especially on field trip day. On field trip day, I got my little brown bag, and I had a brownie in it, bag of chips, bologna sandwich with mustard, and the cool kids got a little Coca-Cola in the glass bottle. Some of you remember what I'm talking about. And we either got a glass Coke or we got something to drink. We got on the bus and we'd head to a place called Fantasy Farm. At Fantasy Farm, you got to see all the animals around going on. And then Fantasy Farm had a ride called the Tilt-A-Whirl. The old Tilt-A-Whirl is kind of a green-looking thing where you, you, you sit like this way and it pulled a little strap down, you held onto the strap, but the ride went this way. And as the ride was going around, it would whip you. And then it would whip you again, then it would straighten you back out. And you just kept going around, whipping, 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 whipping. And uh, I don't do good with motion and all that stuff, so I got on that ride, and the first time around, I said, okay, I felt you one time. I held on real tight, closed my eyes. I don't want to see when it's coming, but I know it's coming. Go around, it twists your back, gets in your head, gets in your belly, and you start shaking. Second time around, I said, you know what? I'm going to look for you. So I'm looking for it. Here it comes, here it comes. Shut your eyes, whips you around, gets you all out of whack, sends you back around. Then the third time, you say, just forget it. I'm not shutting my eyes. I'm not opening my eyes. Whatever you want to do, just go ahead and whip me around. You get off the ride, and your adult chaperone, being so good and so nice, pat you on the back. See, that wasn't so bad, was it? I'm like, are you crazy? (laughs) My stomach hurts. My head's spinning. I don't know what's going on. To this day, I don't ride rides. I just don't like them. But I think life is like that, you know. Life is a big tilt-a-whirl. I mean, you're going along in life. Everything's happening the way you want it to. And all of a sudden, you get spun around. And it spins around and it hurts you. And you say, this ain't going to happen to me no more. So you prepare for the next spin that's coming. So you prepare for it. It spins you around. It makes you out of whack. You say, what am I going to do about this? And then somebody comes along and said, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to get through it. Finally, you get spun around again. And it gets so bad and it's so hurtful. You say, I'm done with it. And there's nothing you can say to me to make me get on this ride or to live my life out. I'm done. What you're saying to me is not true. This is exactly what happened in the book of Isaiah. The prophets were given by God to encourage the people. There was a time when the nation was one under King David and Solomon. But when Solomon died, the tribe split. 
Ten tribes went what was called north with their headquarters in Samaria. They followed a king named Jeroboam. Two tribes went south to a place called Jerusalem, which was where their headquarters was at. They followed Solomon's son, Rehoboam. But the people did wrong in the sight of God. And their kings did wrong in the sight of God. And the prophets would say to them, there's going to come a time when God's not going to put up with your stuff anymore. And he's going to bring a heathen nation to come and capture you and take you over. The people wouldn't listen to what the prophets said. They said, God loves us. He cares for us. He said, no, what I'm telling you is going to come to pass. Eventually in 722, the ten northern tribes went captive to the Assyrians. Isaiah was during this time, so he writes to the southern tribes and he says, Listen, it ain't happened to you yet, but if you keep sinning and turning your back on God, he's going to come after you and send you into captivity. I've witnessed with my own eyes, he said. But then he says, Don't worry about that. Why are you telling me not to worry about that, dude? You're telling me all this bad's going to happen. But he said, there's a king coming, and this king is going to deliver you, and he's going to make everything wrong. He's going to make it right in your life. Eventually, in 586 B.C., came with the Babylonians, and they took the southern tribe captive. But Isaiah speaks of this Messiah. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Yahweh would be upon him. He would possess supernatural wisdom and capacity. He would be able to bring justice and righteousness to the earth through his spoken word. His possession of the spirit is a result of God anointing him for this very task. He would need divine enablement by the spirit to fulfill what God asked him to do. This anointed one would do the servant's work. The mission of the anointed one would be to announce good news to the people in captivity. I told you he was going to go into captivity. God was displeased with you. But now I want to tell you about this anointed one who's going to come. And he will bring good news. And this is what he's going to do. What announcing good news to the afflicted means follows in the verse I read this morning. First, it means he would mend the hearts of those so broken by life that they despair of having any hope at all. I'm never going to get through this. Nothing will ever change in our life. Second, it means the anointed one would liberate those so enslaved that they could not break free. I cannot get out of what I'm in right now. I'm so deep, I cannot get out of this. The prophet says, don't worry, the anointed one's coming. Captives are in bondage to another person. Prisoners are bound to a place. Third, proclaiming good news means he would bring for God a year of favor and a day of vengeance. God's favor would last much longer than his vengeance. A prolonged time of blessing is in view here, followed by a short time of punishment for the oppressors who came and took him captive. When Jesus Christ read this passage in a Nazareth synagogue and claimed that he would fulfill it, he stopped reading after the favorable year of Yahweh and did not read in the day of vengeance of our God. He meant that he was the anointed one whom Isaiah spoke and that he had come to bring salvation. The day of salvation had begun, the Lord Jesus said. However, the day of vengeance would not begin until much later, specifically at the time of tribulation when he would return. Fourth, 
announcing good news means the anointed one would comfort those who mourn because they believe their sins have doomed him. You've told us we've done wrong. You've told us we went the wrong way. Now we are in captivity and we're in bondage. We have no hope. But God would accept them in spite of their sin because of the servant's work. Fifth, proclaiming good news means that he would give joy to the mourners among the Israelites in place of their sorrow. Sixth, it means they would become a blessing like large trees, flourishing in righteousness by demonstrating the saving and enabling grace of God. So glorifying him, God's righteousness would make them strong and durable. My focus this morning is on verse 3 specifically as I go through the verses individually. To appoint unto them, to place happiness before them, to give them joy. That morn in Zion, those who dwelt in Jerusalem, his poor and afflicted people, to give them beauty for ashes. The word rendered beauty means properly a headdress, a turban, tiara, or diadem. Something of royalty, something that means something, something that is beautiful to sight. He was going to give them this. The idea is that the Redeemer would impart to his mourning people such an ornament instead of the ashes which in their grief they were accustomed to easy on their heads. It's just part of our lives, all this grieving, all this calamity, all this bad. It's just a part of who we are. Isaiah said, don't worry, the king is coming. It was common among the Orientals to put dust and ashes upon their heads in times of mourning and an expressive of their grief and sorrow for what they were going through. The oil of joy, oil or ointment was employed on occasions of festivity and joy, but its use was abstained from times of public calamity and grief. The garment of praise, the garment or clothing which shall be expressive of praise or gratitude instead of that which shall indicate grief. For the spirit of heaviness, instead of a heavy, burdened, and oppressed spirit, those of a faint, undespondent heart. This is what God is going to call them. He said they might be called this. Those who dwelt in Zion, those who were in mourning, those who were in captivity, this is what God said. You will become trees of righteousness. Oak trees, a lofty, strong, and magnificent tree. It is not uncommon to represent people by trees in the Bible. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. As to the word fat, I'm working on that very good right now. Those who had been oppressed and borne down by calamity and by a sense of sin would become vigorous and strong and would be such as aptly to be compared to majestic trees with far-spreading branches and image everywhere of that which is truly beautiful. By there being oaks of righteousness is meant people distinguished for righteousness or justice, a lofty, strong, and magnificent people. The planting of the Lord. Those whom Yahweh had truly planted, those who were under his care and culture. The same figure is used by our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. That God might be glorified. God would be glorified in having made so ample provision for their welfare and in their being made happy by him. 
He is always glorified when others enjoy the fruits of his benevolence and when they are made pure and happy as a result of his purpose and his plans. On this Easter Sunday, Christ says to us through his death and resurrection, Christ Jesus says, I'll take that. What will Jesus Christ take? He will take those ashes of mourning because of sin and our separation from God. He says, I will take that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He says, I will take those ashes of mourning that you felt and that you've experienced and I will make it right. I will take that. Jesus says, I'll take those ashes where we deny ourselves for the sake of our brother. Why should I give anything up in my Christian experience for somebody who's not where I'm at? Why should I give anything up and go through this hurt and pain? I do it for the sake of my brother so that my brother and my sister can grow in Christ. And Jesus Christ says, I'll take those ashes. I'll take that, he says, to those people or experiences that keep us in bondage or in prison. We know the people that keep us in bondage because when you see them, you run away from them. Or when you think about them, it's a bad thought. You don't want to be around them because they hurt you so bad. They've done you so wrong. They want nothing to do with them. And you want nothing to do with them. And they want nothing to do with you. You are in bondage. Jesus Christ says, I will take that Upon myself. Are you in prison? He says I'll take that. Prison could be an addiction. Or whatever's going on in life. It just holds you down. And keeps you gripped. The Lord Jesus Christ says. I will take that. Jesus Christ says I'll take that. I'll take those hurts and pains. In our hearts that burden us. So beat down by life, so beat down by experience, so beat down by feelings. We just seem like we can never get over it. Always hurt and always in pain. And Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary when he rose again from the dead, he said, I'll take that. But if Jesus is going to take all that from me, what is he going to give me in its place? In its place, he gives us beauty, a headdress, a turban. A tiara, a diadem. I will impart to my mourning people such an ornament instead of the ashes which render grief that they will be easily accustomed to this. When we receive those ashes as symbols that were nothing in the sight of God and we need to be in repentance and that we need to set aside something for our brother and sister in Christ, it hurt us. But Jesus says, I will take all those ashes. I will wipe them from your head and I will give you beauty. I would put around you goodness and grace and love and mercy and kindness. Jesus Christ turned our mourning into joy. How did he do that? How did Jesus Christ restore us? First of all, he reconciled us to God by dying for our sin and by rising again. How did he do that? He released us from a burden and depressed spirit. Somehow he comes into our hearts and our souls when we call on him and say, Lord Jesus, touch my life. I need your help. He comes in our hearts and he just says, let me have that. And he takes it. All because he died and rose again. 
Because he healed our broken heart. All the pains and things that we were going through. I'm not saying we don't keep going through it. But all of a sudden the pain's not the same as it was before. It doesn't hurt like it done before. Somehow God has touched us and made it right. Jesus Christ washed away those ashes. And he gave us a new mind and a new heart. He made us right. He said everything right. He just comes in on the inside and he starts cleaning up like a doctor. He just cleans up the heart. He cleans up the mind. He cleans up the body. He cleans up everything and he makes everything all right. As a result of doing this, he has to instill something within us. What has he instilled in us when he makes it right, when we turn to him? First of all, the oil of joy. The oil, they used to be anointing with oil and it flowed down the king's and the prophet's body and it would touch them and it made them happy and right. He puts oil in our hearts. He puts oil in our souls. He puts oil in our minds and that makes everything okay. And this oil gives us joy. He gives us the garment of praise. He stilled that within us. Don't we give him praise and glory and honor when we used to get mad and be down and out? We view it different. We see it different. We feel it different. He puts on us the garment of praise. And because he's done that, you and I are now called the trees of righteousness. Deep roots in the ground planted by the word of God. Making us vigorous and strong, withstanding the winds and the waves. When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and he makes us new and he changes us around and we get in the word of God, let the storms come. Let the tilt the world come. Do what you want to me. I've been grounded. I've been rooted in that word. It's in that word that I trust. He said he was going to die. He said he was going to rise again. 500 people saw him. He did what he said he was going to do. I believe and I trust that word. So let the storms come. Let the winds blow. I'm deeply rooted in him. Our branches spread far and wide for the world to see. All of us like a big tree out back in the summertime when it's 900 degrees. You want the wind blowing a little bit. You want the shade under you. But the birds come and rest in that tree. Maybe some people come to see you because they want to be under that tree and don't want to spend $5,000 on air conditioning. I'm just going to go under my friend's tree over there and sit in the shade. Sinners come to you. They feed off of what God has done in your life, the experiences that you've had, the hurt things you've went through and the feelings you've experienced in your life. They come and say, how did you do that? And you say to them, by the grace of God. We are a people distinguished by righteousness and justice, a lofty, strong, and magnificent people. Why? Why would God do all this? Why send your people into captivity? Why tell them you're going to do this? Why put them through all that and then bring them out? Why not just leave them alone? He said, I've done it for my glory. I'm going to show Nebuchadnezzar who said he was God. I'll show Caesar who said he was God. I'll show everybody who says there's God that there's only one God. And I reign in the heavens and I rule like I want to rule. I guide like I want to guide. And no man can tell me different. And he comes and he delivers his people. And all these nations became afraid of Israel and said, Truly, your God is the one true God. God does it for his glory that he might be glorified in us. 
manifested in a change of life in turning to him and following his plan in our purposes in life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is a reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God in Christ Jesus. And because Jesus took all that away, from here on out, I shall paraphrase Psalms, some Old Testament and maybe some New Testament verses. I drank decaffeinated coffee this morning, so I went get overexcited, but I can see that didn't work. First of all, because Jesus Christ said, Brian, I will take that. Here's what I have to say. Number one, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is what David said when God forgave him of his sin. He said, I want to be in the house of God. I want to be in the tabernacle. I want to be in the temple. That is where his glory dwells. That is who he is. So when you ask me to go into the house of God, David says, I was glad. When I get to that house of God, he says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and into his courts with praise because he took all that from my life, because he saved our soul, because he made us right, and because he changed our life. We enter into the church with thanksgiving in our hearts and a song of praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords because of what he has done in our lives. I will sing praise unto him in the presence of his people and testify to his goodness. I don't know a B flat from an A minus, from you're too high, you're too low. I don't know nothing about that stuff. The choir leader's going like this. I don't know nothing about that stuff. So you know what I do? I will take the little book there, especially when on practice night and I'm beside Amy. When I get too loud or rambunctious, kind of like I am right now, I'll lift the book up <laughs> because I don't want her to hear me screaming or you hear me scream because I know how it is to be in the pew when you say, whew, they need to get that cat out of the choir yesterday. <laughs> Been there, done that. Now I'm the one sitting up here. So I'll pick the book up and I'll let it go because I know that book is protecting me from everybody around but he says, in the presence of the people of God, he would testify to the goodness of God. That's why I joined the choir. That's why I wanted to be a part. To say to the King of glory and Lord of lords, in the presence of his people, you and I are the people of God, his saved and sanctified and separated people. And when I get in his presence and in your presence, I want you to know he's the king of my life. Even when it sounds bad. <laughs> I didn't tell you that in Korea, they put me at the end of the choir. Brother Brian, Brother Brian, Brother Brian, you can't sing worth a nickel. I done told you that, but you told me just bring a, a praise. God likes a joyful noise, so you truly got it today. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because in the presence of his people, we need to let each other know how good he's been to us. How he saved our soul. How he changed our life. How he made us new. And he did it right when he walked out of that grave. He said, I'll take that. 
I will give him an offering, an offering with my heart, an offering with my soul, an offering in my finances. I will give it to him for his glory and honor because of what he done in my life. I will pray to him when I feel like it and when I don't, when I understand and when I don't. When he answers and when he don't, I will pray to him and I will trust his guiding hand no matter where I'm at in life. It's hard to do when you're struggling and when you're hurting, when you're down and out. You say to him, you've not answered my prayer. Here's your promises, but they don't apply to me. But you have to trust him and rely on him and give your whole heart to him. I will present my body as a living sacrifice to him and do the work that he's called me to do. Present ourselves to God and say, my life, my mind, my heart, my body, my business, my work, whatever I do in life, it belongs to you and for your glory that you would be lifted up and that you would be exalted and that you would be praised. You see that Ash Wednesday, in one moment of time, the king of glory took those little crazy ashes, and Jesus says, I'll take all that. And when he come up out of that grave, he said, I'll make everything right for you. But you got to go to the tomb, man. Mary had to go to the tomb, and he wasn't there. She wasn't sure where he was. The disciples had to go to the tomb, and he wasn't there. Where's this dude at? But then he appeared to them, and he breathed on him his spirit. And he says, I make everything right this day. Peter had denied him and left him. The disciples were distraught. Thomas didn't believe him. But he says, you don't believe me? I'm coming to you. He comes to you and I this morning. And he says, let me heal what is hurting. Let me heal what is broken. Let me heal what is distressed in your life. And when God heals all that mess, you'll be glad to come into his house. You'll be glad to give him praise. You'll be glad to worship him. You'll be glad to give him some money. You'll be glad to pray. You'll be glad to seek his face because he's made a change in you. This Sunday, Jesus Christ says, I'll take that. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this Easter Sunday. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did die, that you rose again, and that you're the Savior of the world. And you're the only Savior of the world. Even now, you see our minds and you see our hearts, what we're thinking, what we're going through in life. And some things will easily turn over to you, and some things will say, I just want to hold on to that. I need to hold on to that because I'm in control. But I pray, Lord Jesus, just as you rose again from the dead and you appeared to your disciples that you would come into our midst now and touch our hearts. Make us, mold us, change us, Lord. Use us for your glory because we're not in Lent anymore. We're on the other side of life. Be with us now, Lord, as we go to be, spend time with our families. Speak to our hearts that we would turn to you, the true and the living God. We give you all glory. We give you all praise and we give you all honor. Because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who died and rose again. And you said you give us life and life more abundantly. Sure there's trials. Sure there's tribulation. Sure there's trouble. But the abundant life is being in you and following you and serving you. All because of what you've done for us. 
Hear this prayer, Lord, now I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.